I guess now is as good a time as any. It's 11.30. Okay. Okay, let's see here. Good morning, everyone. It's Connie Ram from North Carolina here. And uh, I hope everybody is out there doing good. And uh, so uh, some time ago, uh, maybe a month ago, Padmanabhaswamy asked to ask me um, if I could give class for, for another month. And I knew that I was gonna be busy. Um, um, but anytime he asks, I feel obligated to say yes. I feel like it's a good challenge and I feel like it's something that can be good for me. So I, I try to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, even though there may not be sufficient time to, to be totally uh, prepared for such a thing. Um, and then I, I wasn't aware of like a good topic. And he suggested the, that I speak on uh, Lord Ram's pastimes. I think that um, I think that on the 10th is Ram Nomi. So um, he suggested, well, why don't you speak on the Ramayan? And I thought, well, that sounds, um, that doesn't sound so good because I'd never read the Ramayan. I, I only read the story of Lord Ram from Srimad Bhagavatam. And, and that, that was probably like at least seven or eight years ago when I was reading that section of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So um, fortunately, I, like I asked Madan and Priya if I could borrow their copy of Ramayan, and um, and they were kind enough to to let me use their copy. So I, I'm just I'm really just getting started with understanding like what Lord Ram and Sita and and all the characters there are all about. Um, so today I'm gonna I'm gonna mostly give like a an introduction to the topic. Um, and hopefully I'm going to touch on some of the things, some of the themes that Guru Maharaj was talking about when he was here. He was here um, in North Carolina. He, he left about a week ago and returned to Odaria. Um, but he was here for two weeks, so that was really nice. Um, we, got to, we got to do a lot of service, and we got to host Omkar and Gayatri here at our house. And... Um, and go and, and uh, attend all of those programs and hear the lectures and be part of the kirtan and everything. So that was that was super good. Um, so anyway, we'll open with some benediction prayers. Omagyana timirandasya gananjana salakaya chakshur militam jaina tasmai shri gurave namaha siddhanto palasara nityarasikam Ham Sam Vilasatmakam Odaryakya Sudama Sevakadanam Vishramba Bhakti Pradam Yacha Yukti Vichakshanam Tvagabido Vasista Satya Sada Pandeham Tripurari Namakayatim Sri Bhakti Vedantinam Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Ah I get so nervous. Excuse Prabhu. me. Yes. No, Prabhu Nityananda. <laughs> Thank you. Prabhu Nityananda. Sri Advaita. Gadadhar. Sri Vasadi. Gora Bhakti Vrinda. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare. Thank you, Sakirati. I appreciate that. I get so caught up. My, my nerves get me when I'm giving class. 
Um, so anyway, we'll launch into um, we'll launch into some of the story about Lord Ramachandra, and um, so we'll, we'll speak a, about it, uh, just about the the philosophical concept um, of like the avatar. So Guru Maharaj talked about about what it is for the for the Lord to appear in the world, and um, he talked about it in a in a new way. He was talking about the allegorical avatars, and I'm I'm still not certain like what he's talking about. I asked a question about it. And I'm still not certain what that means, but I wanted to talk about this concept of the, the avatar. I was thinking about um, if you look at religion around the world, um, in a, like a a more universal approach, or what they call like a perennial approach. Um, um, you have a lot of different spiritual groups and you have a lot of, a lot of different prophets and some different saints and some, um, I don't know, people have different conceptions of God all around the world. And, um, everybody thinks about God differently. And, um, so like, but I think that there are many similarities and I think that if one, if a person, the average person, were to make like a, were to like take full advantage of the human opportunity, having this large consciousness, a big mind and a big intelligence, comparatively speaking to, to the animals and the lesser beings, to take advantage of the opportunity that the human consciousness affords, and to delve deeply into the subject of like understanding what is God, what is my relationship with God. Who is, what is the source of the universe? What is my source? How am I connected with that? Is, is that source a person? Is it an energy or what have you? Um, and look at all of those spiritual traditions in a larger way to make, make a larger academic study um, in order to, to find out like what is the, the ultimate truth. Um, I think that when they, when they, they could so they could study you know like Christianity and Buddhism and Islam and Hinduism and Rasta and I don't know Seventh Day Adventists or you know like all of these things if they were to approach it in in a in a universal way in a in a comprehensive way that when they got to like the study of Hinduism and the study of Gaudiya Vaishnavism then they would really see that one of our unique contributions is having so very much information about the nature of God. Um, like what is his name? What is his form? What is his address? What is he like? Um, how many, how many ways does he appear in the world? You know, if you just look at just religion on the earth planet in general. Um, so I want to talk about the nature of the avatar just a little bit. Um, so the avatar principle is that sometimes that God or God's empowered representative um, appears on the earth. Um, and I think that a lot of people, they don't necessarily think that way. Like where I live is a very Christian place. Uh, um, in North Carolina, they call it they call this section of America the Bible Belt. Um, so a lot of people are Christians um, in all different branches of Christianity. 
Um, you got Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, so the whole gambit of them. Omkar and Gayatri, when we were riding around, like going to different places between Raleigh and Hillsboro, they were noticing, oh, there are so many churches. All these people are, are worshiping. We, on Sunday, there was a big church and the whole parking lot was full and everything. But I think that, you know, they, they believe their faith is in Jesus. And they generally think that Jesus, of course, is connected with God. But I think that many of those people don't, the Christian text offers a little bit less information about what is the nature of God, like what is he doing in his own realm? Um, what does he look like? Who are his friends? Like what, what do, how do his devotees approach him? Um, so uh, I think that many of them are confused about like the nature of how God appears in the world. There's an old song um, from the 90s. And I think that um, there's this person named Sting. He's a famous British person. Uh, he used to play bass and sing for a band called The Police. And then he had a, uh, a famous solo career. And, you know, he's, he's very famous as a, you know, a, a religious thinker, a spiritual thinker in his own right. But in this one, there's a song called All This Time. And in all this time, he's talking about how his, the story is that his, his father had recently passed in the late 80s. Him and his mother had both passed. Um, and so he's talking about like burying his father at sea and talking about religious ideas. And he, he poses the question in the song. And I hope I'm getting these lyrics right. But he, he asks, if the father of Jesus exists, how come he never lived here? And so like... I think the question arises for the average person, if God exists, how come he never appears in the world? How come he isn't here? How come he doesn't like appear and like rescue us and set things right when there are so many crazy things going on in the world? If God is good, if God is all powerful, then why doesn't he come and like rescue me? Um, so I think that if that person who we were talking about earlier was studying world religion um if they were to come into the the, the Gaudiya literature they would find um they would find all this wealth of information so we'll talk about it just a little bit from from the Bhagavad Gita perspective um so Krishna of course is the appearance of the Lord um about 5,000 years ago um so that in and of itself is, is amazing. Um, but he describes a little bit about how God does appear in the world. Um, in the fourth chapter, in the beginning, um, he's talking with Arjuna and he, he's telling Arjuna, like, years ago, I, I spoke this uh, science of yoga to the sun god, Vivaspan. Um, and he in turn instructed it to his son. And he instructed it to his son. And in that way, uh, like the science of yoga has been passed down in the world. And Arjuna asked, well, like you weren't like, here you are, you're my contemporary. You're just like, you're almost my age. How could it be that you spoke this to the sun God um, millions of years ago? And Krishna explains, you know, like that I've, I've gone through many, many appearances um, you've also gone through many, many appearances. 
but I can remember all of those things um, because I appear by my own energy. Uh, Avyatma, I think he says he appears by his own energy. Um, and Arjuna, or the regular person, we appear because of the force of destiny that's provided by our karma. Um, so we've done some good things. We've done some bad things in the past. And so we appear in the world in samsara again and again. But Krishna doesn't appear like that, but he does appear. I think the essence of one of the things I want to give an emphasis to is that God does appear in the world. And he's explaining to, so he goes on to explain to Arjuna, yada yada hi dharmasya, glanir bhavati bharata, abhutanam adharmasya, tadatmanam srijamyaham. Whenever, O descendant of Bharat, dharma is diminished and unrighteousness is on the rise, at that time, I myself manifest. Then he goes on to say, Paritranaya sadunam vinasaya chaduskritam dharma samsta tanarthaya sambhavami yuge yuge. For the protection of the saintly and the destruction of evildoers, as well as for the purpose of establishing dharma, I manifest in every age. Um, so there are different types of avatar, and Guru Maharaj often talks about how an avatar is a person who crosses from up to down. Um, so there's a person who comes from a higher realm to a lower realm. God exists in his own way in a higher realm than the day to day of what goes on on the earth planet. Um, he exists in, in lots of different ways, but that's, um, but generally like to descend from a more spiritual realm to a more mundane realm, like what we live in is called a, the, the avatar descent. And there are different types of avatars. Um, and I'm, I'm not an expert about the nature of all of these avatars, but I know that, um, Guru Maharaj sometimes talks about all of these things and he's, he's talking about it talked about it quite a bit while he was in North Carolina. I made mention of it several times. So you have the, the Guna avatars, um, which are generally thought like the Gunas are like the qualities of the way the modes of nature um, operate within the world. So you have the, the, the mode of nature, the, the three modes of nature are like goodness, uh, where a person is like religious and dharmic, they have good qualities and they're pious and they have a strong moral ethic and then you have like the mode of passion which is like ambition and climbing the ladder and trying to like make a name for yourself in the world and uh, make a lot of progress like financially or uh, professionally even uh, and then you have like the mode of ignorance which you know you're uh, tend to do a lot of sleeping or maybe you're into intoxicants or putting off things which are important putting off the things you're going to do. So those have, those three modes of nature have a corresponding deity. Those are called the Guna avatar. So the, the uh, Lord Vishnu is the Guna avatar for the mode of goodness. He's maintaining everything. He's, he has, he's full of virtue. He's, you know, religious, pious. He is all of those things in a superlative way. And then you have Lord Brahma. Uh, he's a, uh, He is the Guna avatar for the mode of passion and he's creating the world and he's um, 
he's taken all these ingredients of the material atmosphere and he's combining those things together and he's creating, he's, um, he's putting it all together and making it all happen. And then you've got Lord Shiva, who's a Guna avatar. He's the Guna avatar for the, the mode of ignorance. So at the, um, he's in charge of destruction at the end of the, when the time comes for a, a world to end, a universe to end, then Lord Shiva is there um, directing the destruction of all of all of that that whole world. You also have Yuga avatars. So, um, if you think about like where Gargamuni is giving Krishna a name in the cowshed of Nanda Maharaj in, in Braja, he's uh, he's talking about how the Lord appears in several different yugas. So we live in the Kali Yuga. And then, you know, we have a Kali Yuga avatar. Um, and our particular Kali Yuga avatar is extra special because it's Lord Chaitanya in the in the mood of a in the mood of a devotee. Um, and of course, there are lots of Kali Yugas that, that repeat in a in a cycle. And um, and we're very fortunate because we live in a really special Kali Yuga. Um, but then you have like Gargamuni was saying, like about Krishna, that this child is really special and he appears in a blackish complexion and there are other, he appears in the other three yugas as well. And he appears in a red complexion, a white complexion, a yellow complexion. So you have yuga avatars and then you have Leela avatars. So you, you have Krishna appearing, and his empowered representatives appearing just for the sake of these pastimes, for delivering the pious when, and annihilating the miscreants. Um, and so um, Lord Ram, is he's one of the avatars of Krishna. And, um, and he appeared a long time ago um, in another age. And um, so he is, he is the appear, he's the appearance of God in the world. So in answer to Sting's question, we as Gaudiya Vaishnava say that the father of Jesus does exist and he does appear. He does appear in the world and, and he, he, taught, he describes it himself at, at length in Bhagavad Gita and in other places about the nature of his appearance and activities. And of course, the, the next verse from Bhagavad Gita, one who understands the nature of his appearance and his activities in the world. Um, he's not reborn, but he goes to the, he goes to that realm where the avatar comes from. So I just wanted to talk about that just for a little bit, just just as a, a more universal type approach to to where Gaudiya Vaishnavism uh, sits on the, the world religion stage. Um, so what um, the story of Lord Ramachandra comes to us from a person named Valmiki. And um, when, when Padmanabha Swami asked me to speak about Ramayana, all, all I really knew was this, um, the name of the author. That's all I really know in detail. You know, I, I know a little bit about, you know, like Ram and Sita and Lakshman and Haiman, um, but I didn't know anything about like all the details enough to give like an interesting class. Um, so this, this person, Valmiki, is, is who this story comes to us from. 
Um, so we want to we want to describe him a little bit. Um, so Valmiki um, was actually born as the son of some Brahmins, and he's actually born the son of like a Rishi. He's a person who's a the son of a sage, but somehow or another he got separated from his parents, and um, so he was separated from those parents. He didn't. He wasn't raised as a Brahmin. He was actually raised by some hunters. Um, so he grew up learning how to hunt and how to use a bow and learning how to kill animals. And then by the force of his karma, he, um, when he became an adult, he basically became a bandit or a robber. What in India, I think they call it a dacoit. Um, so this person, uh, Ratnakar, um, he used to, to rob these people by the, the force of his circumstance, by the force of his karma. That was the position that he was in. Um, and then one day, uh, the, the sage Narada came to Ratnakar and he, said, he saw what he was doing, waiting by the side of the road and some weary, unsuspecting travelers were coming along and uh, Ratnakar jumped out of the bushes and held a sword or a knife to them and said, you know, give me all your money or something. And, and so those people um, had to give, give up their money, give up their coins or their jewels or whatever bit of wealth they had. And Narada said, um, actually what you're doing, it comes at great cost to yourself and Ratnakar said well what do you mean I, like I really didn't have to do very much I just had to work for a few minutes I, you know I, I threatened those people and all like for the for the price of this sword you know now I'm I'm collecting money I only have to work a few minutes in order to rob all these people and take from them what do you mean it comes at great personal cost to myself and Narada explained like that the nature of taking from the environment means that you also owe to the environment. Um, as Guru Maharaj says, you know, like we, we come into the world and we take from the environment from the very beginning, from our very first breath, we, we begin to take from this environment. And so we're, we become indebted to, to all the different persons who make the different things happen in our environment. Um, the sunshine, and the rain, and the wind, and the person that built this house, and the, the, the trees that were cut to make the wood, and the stone that was taken from the environment to make the foundation, all these things we're, we're taking from the environment, and so we become indebted. And Guru Maharaj often says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Uh, and that's the nature of karma. Um, we're implicated within this atmosphere, and as long as we, as long as we, um, as long as we're taking from the environment, as long as we we believe that um, connecting with the senses, with the sense objects, as long as that's a, the main focus, our our main agenda in life, um, and until we become uh, knowledgeable about what our real position is, um, we remain implicated. Um, in the pursuit of like acquisition as a state as a way to become happy. Um, so Narada explained that philosophy to Ratnakar 
And um, he said, you know, right in the car, what you should do is you should stop robbing these people and you should like, you should try to devote your life uh, by chanting Ram, Ram, Ram. It's one of the names of God, Ram. And by chanting these names of God, your life will uh, go in a different trajectory. You'll go in a, a different, you'll, you can start on a different path. You can be on a new career path for, uh, for the low, low, price of, of dedicating your time and energy to chanting the, this holy name and Ratnakar was a little bit um, wise and he said that I've been on this particular trajectory for a long time my trajectory has been to take from these people and in a cruel and hurtful and traumatic way that was very frightening very difficult for them and I'm focused on that. Sometimes I have to kill these people. I kill all, I've killed all these animals. Like that's my background. Like that's where I was educated. And like, that's been my trajectory for a long time. And now you're asking me to change my trajectory and like make a big turn. Um, and you're asking me to like sit down, sit still and chant this powerful name of God. I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that. Um, so Guru Maharaj was, was talking like this while he was here and he was talking about how that, that it's a, it's a big step and it, it takes the direction of a guru for one to help change their trajectory. And we have to, we have to change that in a well-guided and down to earth way because our whole, ourselves also are, are similar to this Ratnakar not that we're like bandits or dacoits or we like intentionally hurt people for the sake of making money. But, you know, like we, we've been on this path of samsara for many, many lifetimes for eternity, uh, basically. And we've, um, we have a trajectory of like thinking of ourselves as materialists. And so we have to be a little bit cautious um, let's see. Thank you, Krishna Kumari writes that Sting and the police are her favorite. He also wrote Spirits in the Material World. That's right. Um, um, so anyway, we've been on this trajectory for a long time of, um, of thinking that you know, like we, um, we have all these different ideas about how we're the center basically. Um, and that we, we understand intellectually that God is the center and I'm on the periphery. And by serving the, by the periphery serving the center, then my life can, can become happy. It can become meaningful. It can, have, it can be full of purpose. It can be full of purpose for eternity. Um, but it's a big change in trajectory to, to go from this path of being a, a materialist to the path of being a spiritualist. I'll give you a, a mundane example. I live in the, the capital city of North Carolina. It's called Raleigh. And several years ago, 
um, I work as a paramedic. And several years ago, um, in the in the fire department, they had a one million dollar fire truck, a big ladder truck that you know, like the, the kind that's so big that it bends in the middle, and it has a ladder that goes up, you know, like ten stories or whatever. And so they're driving this fire truck, you know, to the to a fire or to an emergency, and they're going really fast. And then they try to change trajectory and make a left turn. And so they try to make this left, and they did it too fast, and they turned over a million dollar truck. So Guru Maharaj was sort of given some emphasis to the nature of like making a careful uh, transition from being a materialist to being a spiritualist. And it's something that, that I think all of us sort of wrestle with in a lot of different ways. You know, how am I going to relate with the, the other people who are in my life who aren't devotees what do I how do I communicate with my parents and how do I communicate with my friends and how do I how do I interact with all of these people at my job for instance who aren't devotees and how do I how do I transition my own life from like a life of like acquisition as happiness to it to a life of like surrender and sharanagati and like chanting and like philosophy and harinam are now my new trajectory. And so we have to we have to do that with some with some guidance and some like careful balance and integration. And Guru Maharaj has talked about it. Padmanabha Swami has done a lot of given a lot of lectures about the way that we should integrate our human life, our humanity, our like mon, like I don't want to call it mundane, but our practical life into our spiritual life and to realize that those things are all right. It's okay to have a human experience and to be a Krishna devotee. Um, so that, that's something that as progressive devotees, we want to we wanna give some focus to. So I, I just want to talk about that just for a little bit um, because this person, Ratnakar, makes this, this point. I, I don't think I'm going to just be able to change my trajectory of being this killer and a bandit and a thief to being a, a devotee. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to shift gears. You're asking me for this big switch. So, of course, Narada, he asks, he says, well, rather than chanting Ram, you can chant Mara, Mara, Mara. And Mara means death. And so Ratnakar begins to sit down and he's chanting Mara, 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 Mara. And, of course, eventually it becomes Rama, Rama, Rama. And, um, and so he... Um, he became so focused in chanting this Mara, 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 that he, he became quite a meditator, a profound meditator. Actually, according to the story, um, Ratnakar sat down and he chanted in such a still, um, completely focused way, like without, without being distracted by anything, to the point he was so very focused that ants became ants came and started to build their ant hill up around his body and so he's sitting there chanting and these ants are gradually bringing all this dirt and making some tunnels and laying their eggs and getting food and everything to the point where Ratnakar becomes an ant hill and so Narada came back and uh, and here's here's the Ratnakar 
chanting and he's surrounded by these ants. And so he brushes the ants off and gets right in the car up out of the anthill. And, um, and of course he gets a, a new name, which is Val Mickey, which means ant hill. So, um, so Val Mickey got, got set on a new trajectory uh, by, by a very wise guru who gave him some very, uh, very good information about chanting the holy name and, and introduced him to that way, in, excuse me, introduced him to that chanting in such a way that he was able to take advantage of it, even from his own um, rather low position. Um, so the holy name comes to us in a similar way. Um, and it's also transformed our lives. It's, it's transforming us also. So um, let's see where we are. So, um, so I want to introduce some, some of the characters from the story um, that we're about to, we're, we'll delve into a little more. Um, so of course, we've, we've talked about Brahma just a little bit. Brahma is going to be an important character in the, in the coming story. Uh, Narada is going to be, he's involved in the story some more. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Ravana. Um, so um, Ravana, of course, is the powerful demon. He's the, he's the antagonist in our story. And um, if you think, if you're going to talk about Ravana, you can really reach back in, into the the, uh, the history of Srimad Bhagavatam to Jai and Vijay. So you have the, the four Kumaras. Um, it's a very beautiful description about how they're entering into the kingdom of God. And the four Kumaras, they, they hadn't been devotees. They were very advanced persons, but they, they were not bhaktas. Um, and so they, they, go, they make it as far as the gate to the spiritual world. And they're met by they're met there by the I guess the Peter and Paul of Gaudiya Vaishnavism Jai and Vijay, and um, and they say, well, we'd like to come in and, and check out what's going on here. Just the the path leading up to this place is is tremendous. Uh, we we'd like to come in and check the place out. And they say, well, no, you you guys can't come in here. And there's a very beautiful exchange. I was I was trying to find the verse. Um, there's a verse that I always think think about, like um, about the Kumaras trying to enter there. Uh, maybe I'll find it for for next week. Um, but it talks about like uh, how a seed of enmity. How has this seed of enmity been sown um, in this field of field of love, field of whatever it is? I I'll, I'll have to look it up. Um, so anyway. They don't get to come in. The four Kumaras get angry with Jai and Vijay. Uh, they curse them. And then Lord Vishnu himself comes out. And um, Lord Vishnu says, well, whatever's happened, that's my responsibility. And this, uh, this curse will, uh, will come to fruition. That's the, the, there's, a, there's a special power in the words of a Brahmin. And... Uh, we'll see that again and again in this uh, in this story of the Ramayana, and um, and so Lord Vishnu wants to honor 
the power and truthfulness of the words of that Brahmin, of those Brahmins. And so Jai and Vijay are cursed to appear in the world um, three times as enemies of the Lord. And so this appearance of, of, uh, of Jai and Vijay um, is the story of Ravana um, and Kumbhakarna. So they appear as the enemies of Lord Ramachandra. So this Ravana, he's a, a huge demon with 10 heads. And what he's, we meet this particular uh, villain of the story as he's out touring the world. He's out touring different planets. He's touring different places. And he's looking for some people to fight. And he's looking for some women to go back, to take back to Lanka and join his harem. So he's, uh, he's going around um, on the chariot uh, of the treasure among the demigods, Kuvera. And this, uh, it's a beautiful vimana called the Pushpaka, like a flower airplane. And um, it's a it's a very beautiful chariot and it has a amazing power because it, it moves with the will of Ravana's mind and he's flying around and he's directing this and Ravana of course looks uh, very beautiful he has a large blackish body and a fearsome face with long pointed ears and rows of sharp fangs um, he's got a beautiful armor and Wrote, uh, beautiful golden ornaments and um, he has a whole army and they look similar and his army they have swords and spears and maces and bludgeons and and uh, and they're they look fearsome and they have different types of heads heads of animals and whatnot and um, and they're also riding around on these celestial type airplanes and um, and so they're going around and they're trying to find some some gods to fight with. And um, so as they're going around, sometimes like they see a group of Brahmins and those Brahmins are there and they're sitting in the forest and they're dressed very simply and they have a sacrificial fire and they're offering ghee to the sacrificial fire and they're chanting Vedic hymns. And um, and so the Ravana and the other Rakshasas that are joining, uh, that are accompanying him as his army, they they laugh to see such things. They laugh to see the the worship of Lord Vishnu. They 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 scoff at the like appreciation of Krishna, and they they don't understand that these rishis there they understand their position on the periphery and they're worshiping the center and. The, the Rakshasas and Ravana, they think, well, I, I am the center. I'm the center of all of this. And you're pouring ghee on this sacrificial fire. This, this is just silly. And so these Rakshasas, they try to pollute the atmosphere of those Rishis. And so they, from their Pushpakas, their Vimanas, they shower down on the heads and on the sacrificial arena. They shower blood and stool and urine and flesh and blood that comes pouring down like a 
rainstorm on the on these Brahmins who are trying to hold a, a beautiful, simple sacrifice uh, for Lord Vishnu. And um, so they go around, that's one of their pastimes and they're, and Ravana is looking for some beautiful women. And so he looks down in, into the forest and he sees there's a, a, a lady sage and she's sitting deep in meditation. And, um, and Ravana thinks, so this is a very beautiful woman. I, sh I should go down and, and talk with her and see if I can't interest her in coming back to be part of the harem. And so uh, Ravana asks the other Rakshasas to wait there in the sky. Ravana descends on his beautiful Pushpaka uh, flower airplane. And he says, hey there, beautiful sage girl, and makes his advances on her. And he grabs her by the arm and, and she says, um, she says that her name is Vedavati and she is the daughter of a powerful sage who was himself a son of the gods, um, their preceptor, Brihaspati. And looking down in shyness, she said, I was born as an incarnation of the holy Vedas. My father was sought by numerous gods and other celestial beings who wished to have my hand in marriage. However, none but Vishnu, the Lord of all the worlds, can be my spouse. Thus, I am seated here, absorbed in the thought of the Lord and awaiting his favor. Vedavati had been meditating there for thousands of years. And, um, and Ravana simply laughed at her. Um, and he thought, but this is a this is a really beautiful, special woman. I'm not going to just leave her behind. And she had invoked the name of Vishnu, which infuriated Ravana. He's already angry with Vishnu. He's heard about Vishnu, and um, and so Ravana says to her, "Your resolution to practice austerity befits only old women, O lady of shapely limbs." Why do you waste your fleeting youth in this way? I am Ravana, Lord of the Rakshasas, the very mighty race of ogres. Become my wife and live with me in my capital Lanka, the golden city I forcibly seized from the gods. Who is this Vishnu anyway? So Ravana makes further advances and tries to convince her that he should, that she should be one of his wives. And, um, Vedavati becomes angry and rebukes him and says, you, you should leave here for your own good. You should leave me alone. Uh, lest he inspire the anger of the supreme deity Vishnu. So Ravana makes further advances and um, so Ravana grabs her by the hair. And so Vedavati reaches up with her arm and by her mystic power transforms her, her hand into a knife and cuts the hair free from Ravana's grasp and says, oh evil one, I shall now quit this body defiled by your touch as I have been insulted by you. I shall take birth again only for your destruction. Appearing from the earth, I shall become the pious daughter of a virtuous man 
and you and your entire race will be destroyed as a result of that birth. Vedavati closed her eyes and thought of Vishnu and seeing him within her. Before Ravana's eyes, she invoked within, from within herself the element of fire and her body was immediately consumed by the flames. And so Ravana thought, well, I definitely lost out on that one. She's definitely not going to be part of the harem. And so he continued on. He rode back up in his Pushpaka Vimana flower airplane uh, and met back up with his other Rakshasa followers. And he goes on and he, uh, he's out looking for some other people to fight with. And... Um, So he goes and he, he meets Lord Shiva. Um, and of course, he, 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 um, he meets Nandi on the way. And he's not, he's not, he's heard about Lord Shiva. And Lord Shiva is, um, and so, of course, let me just read just a little bit. I've got just a few minutes here. And we'll continue to discuss our villain for a few moments. Um, so as Robin is going, I'll backtrack just a little bit. So he meets Nandi, who is the servant of Lord Shiva. And he, Nandi, tells Ravana, you have arrived at Shiva's abode, which is inaccessible to all created beings. You will not be able to pass this mountain. Therefore, turn back and go the way you have come. Ravana looked at the strange body of Nandi with its monkey head and laughed out loud. He spoke in a derisive voice, who is this Shiva? Hearing his master insulted, infuriated Nandi, which is obviously a different Nandi than the, the bull Nandi, uh, who is Lord Shiva's character, carrier. Nandi, raising his pike, which shot forth tongues of fire, he said to the demon, O Rakshasa, I should kill you at once, but I will not do so, as you already stand killed by your own sins. But I say this, as you disregard me in my monkey form, there, sh there shall be born on earth many monkeys of terrible strength who will annihilate your race. As Nundi spoke, the sound of heavenly drums reverberated in the sky and a shower of flowers fell. Ravana's eyes flamed in anger. He did not like being told what to do. And he roared at Nundi, I shall remove this hill from my path. What do I care for you and your master? The demon immediately plunged his 10 huge arms deep into the side of the hill. Uh, and when we're talking about this hill, we, of course, we mean Mount Kailash, uh, where Shiva and Parvati and, and their followers are there on the, on the Kailash hill. He began tearing it up and slowly rose above the earth, shaking violently. As the hill shook, goddess Parvati, the concert, consort of Lord, of Lord Shiva slipped from her position and clung to her husband. Shiva reassured her saying, do not be afraid. This is the action of the vain demon Ravana. 
I shall deal with him shortly. He cannot harm you. Parvati's eyes turned red as she replied to her powerful husband, as this wretch has frightened a woman by his violence, his death shall be caused by a woman. Shiva stood up and pressed down upon the hill with his toe. Ravana at once felt an unbearable pressure. His 20 arms, which resembled huge pillars holding the hill, were crushed. Ravana let out a tremendous cry, which resounded throughout the three worlds of heaven, earth and hell, terrifying all beings. He was trapped by the weight of the mountain and could not move. So Ravana's ministers, they said to him, we have heard that Lord Shiva is easily pleased and he's also easily displeased. He's Asutosh. So if you, while you're stuck there, you should offer him some prayers and seek his compassion and he'll be gracious to you. So Ravana, who had studied the scriptures, he began reciting hymns from the Samaveda in glorification of Lord Shiva. And after a hundred years of such penance and austerity being trapped there under Mount Kailash, he still remained alive. And although in great pain, he continued to offer these prayers and Lord Shiva gave him a benediction. And so Shiva came out, offered him his blessing. Ravana said, if you're actually pleased with me, then give me a weapon. Um, and so Shiva, um, Shiva smiled um, and, and said, so be it. And Shiva raised his palm and vanished from the spot. So Ravana went back. Um, to his pushpaka, flew back up into the sky, and he um, he received some special um, weapon, and then he he goes. I'm not sure um, exactly where that's going to come in. Um, I read this the other day, but I'm, I'm not certain exactly what happened. So he got, Ravana continued on, and he, um, he got in a fight with some humans. And Ravana, of course, is not concerned about any humans. Um, he had received a benediction um, years ago from Lord Brahma that he would not be killed um, by any humans or any animals. And so Ravana felt like he could go and fight with just any any humans or anybody, all of the gods. Um, I'm sorry. He, that, I'm sorry. I'm telling you wrong. So he, uh, Ravana had received a benediction. That he would not be killed by anyone except a human or an animal. But because he had such extreme prowess, Ravana naturally just dismissed um, the humans, because they're small, not not powerful compared to Rakshasas like himself. And so he didn't worry about it. So he goes and he gets in a fight with, uh, in the kingdom of a, a king named An Anaranya. And so, of course, he's destroying the armies of Anaranya. And um, An Anaranya, the king, finally, he comes out and he's the only only one of his army 
who has any power to fight with Ravana. So they're throwing weapons back and forth and, um, and Anaranya makes a little progress. He, he hits Ravana with a few weapons. Ravana hits him with some weapons. And finally, Ravana um, attacks this person, Anaranya, with a, a very fierce weapon. Um, so he, he took his mace and whirled it about until sparks were flying off. And then he hurled this terrible mace at the King Anaranya. And he hits him in the face and the head. And, um, and he's struck and he's, he's um, thrown to the ground. And, um, and as he's dying, Anaranya says, um, let's see. So Anaranya had practiced his mystic power for a long time and he didn't wanna waste that power on someone like Ravana, but he knew that Ravana had to be checked. And so um, as he's dying, he knows that at least he can do something about this demon. Um, so fixing his fate, fading gaze on the Lord of the Rakshasas and concentrating his mind, he uttered a curse in the very line you now deride. Oh, Ravana, there will soon appear a king who will kill you and all of your race. As Anaranya spoke, the sound of kettle drums was heard resounding in the sky, and a shower of celestial flowers fell upon him. Heavenly voices were heard to say, it shall be so. Having delivered his curse, the emperor slumped to the ground, his life spent before the eyes of the demon. Anaranya left his body then and there and rose up toward the heavens, his ethereal form glowing like fire. So... Thank you all for, for listening so intently. Um, I've got, there was just a little bit more um, in the course of the prologue, um, but I think, I'll, I think that we'll save that for next week and um, we'll talk just a little bit more about Ravana um, as we start next week. And then um, we'll talk, we'll, We'll go into the story a little bit more. And um, so if, if anyone has any questions or comments or anything they'd like to, uh, to say or ask, I I'd be happy to entertain that at this point. Thank you for the class. Thank you, Shamananda. Thank you guys for listening. Okay, I hope everybody has a wonderful day, and uh, I hope you have a wonderful Ram Nomi. It's coming up very soon, and we'll talk more about it later on in the course of the month. All right, Krishna. Shri All right. Jai. Jai. Jai.